The following is a message of First Baptist Richardson. For more information, please visit fbcr.org. So let me begin with uh, these two statements. On the one hand, it means nothing. On the other hand, it means absolutely everything. So what am I talking about? Oh, bear with me. I'm talking about baptism and the Lord's Supper. So I probably need to explain that. So when I say uh, regarding baptism and the Lord's Supper that it means nothing, what I mean is in the water itself, we believe there is no saving power in that water. And then a little bit later in this service, when we observe the Lord's Supper, in the cracker that you will eat and in the juice that you will drink, there's nothing about eating that cracker or drinking that juice that saves you. As a matter of fact, as Baptists, that's why we refer to these happenings in the church, baptism and the Lord's Supper, as ordinances and not sacraments. There are some who believe that through baptism you are saved. And there are some who believe that through the taking of this supper you are saved. And that's not what we think. Our conviction is based upon Scripture, particularly Paul's statement to the Romans, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. For us, salvation is a personal, inward, spiritual confession of who Jesus is as God's Son and acknowledging Him as your Savior. So when I say... It means nothing. What I'm talking about is the water, the bread, and the juice in and of themselves. And in regards to the Lord's Supper, um, I, have a, I have a pastor friend of mine who uh, had the Lord's Supper in his church one Sunday. And uh, they got home from church, and his wife asked him, uh, what was in that cup today? And he said, well, it was a smaller church. And so he said, well, the deacon assigned to make the preparations for the Lord's Supper today forgot. Until this morning, and on his way to church, he remembered. And so he pulled into Uh, a little convenience store, kind of the only one they had in that town at the time. And and all they really had great tasting was great Gatorade. (laughs) So that's how they rolled with the Lord's Supper on that particular Sunday. So I say it means nothing what I'm talking about. There's no saving power in the water, in the cup, in the cracker. But on the other hand, do hear me say, It does mean absolutely everything. 
Baptism and the Lord's Supper are absolute, genuine demonstrations and reflections of who we are and what we believe. So when you are baptized, and when you, in a few minutes, as a believer, observe this supper, this truly means everything to us who are believers in and followers of Jesus Christ. This is a true demonstration of, it is an absolute reflection of who we are and of what we believe about Jesus as God's Son and what He did for us on the cross at Calvary. This is meaning everything to us. So what I want to do this morning in these next couple of minutes is just uh, talk a little bit about baptism and the Lord's Supper. So if you have your Bible, let's just start over in the Gospel of Matthew, and I'm just going to start at uh, chapter 3. Just read a few verses here about the baptism of Jesus and, and talk about that just for a second. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him saying, I need to be baptized by you and yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John allowed him to be baptized. When Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. The baptism of Jesus, that marked the beginning of his three-year public ministry. Most people would believe that Jesus was about 30 at the time of his baptism. And this moment marked his outward public ministry that would be observed for the next three years. And he comes to John the Baptist who has been baptizing people for the forgiveness of sins. And he kind of makes an adjustment to that. It's no longer just a a physical thing. It becomes a true spiritual thing as, as acknowledging Jesus Christ as the Son of God. And so this moment for Jesus is the embarking on his public ministry and a little bit of a shift in what baptism would become and what it would mean. So this is a reflection of how we are to be baptized So Jesus was, and and our conviction is that he was baptized by immersion under the water and that he was baptized as an act of obedience demonstrating who he was and why he had come. Now, stop here for a minute and maybe you can do the same and just uh, reflect back a little bit on your baptism if you have been baptized. I was baptized in the uh, Highland Park Baptist Church in Duncan, Oklahoma. It's a small church. My father baptized me. He was the pastor. I remember it for a couple of reasons. One, it was personal. It was special, as anyone's baptism is. But two, I remember my grandparents came. My grandparents lived in Vernon, Texas, and they never, ever left the farm. They never left Wilbarger County. But for them to drive a couple of hours 
to see me baptized? I thought, this, this is special. And it was. Now, as a pastor over the years, I've had a lot of uh, baptism experiences. Uh, I baptized. I remember baptizing uh, a guy once who was 6'6 six, six, and had only one leg. And how we worked that out is a whole nother story. Uh, and I don't have time for it today. I remember the first person I ever baptized. Uh, it was my neighbor across the street. Uh, Kathleen and I had, uh, we, were, we were very young. And we had moved into this little church parsonage in Blum, Texas. And our neighbors across the street, uh, they thought we were the children of the pastor. So let that sink in for a minute. Because uh, they had children and they thought they could play with us. Uh, but we got to know them, and the man across the street, the husband, the father across the street, he was a mechanic in town, and we just invited them to church, and they came, and he got saved, and he was the first person I ever baptized. His name was Jimmy Goodman, and I remember it. I baptized people when the water was way too cold. I remember baptizing someone when the water was way too shallow. And nobody could see what we did down there. But nonetheless, I baptized one person once when the water was so hot. We brought in 40 bags of ice to just make it bearable. Lots of baptism stories. But you know, I have one that's particularly memorable to me. It was my first church when I was a pastor and I was 24 years old. And uh, the lady across the street lived in a little house and uh, she didn't go to church. And I didn't know any more better than to invite her. So I just walked across the street, knocked on the door and met her. Her name was Jane. I said, I'm David and I'm the new pastor across the street just wants you to know you're invited to come to church she never had come well she didn't come immediately but a few weeks later she came then she came again then she came again and after about five weeks the only time I've ever seen this in my life but we extended the invitation and she ran down the aisle now, it was a small church. She didn't have far to run, so I'll be, let's uh, note, make note of that. But she ran down the aisle, and she wanted to be saved. And we led her through a prayer, and she acknowledged Jesus as her Savior. And she wanted to be baptized. She had one little caveat there. She wanted to be baptized not in the church, but in the... Uh, so it, different parts of Texas refer to uh, tanks, pools, and ponds differently, depending on where you grew up. Uh, so where I grew up in West Texas, they were tanks. Where I pastored in East Texas, they were pools. Down in South Texas, they're ponds. All that to say, she wanted to be baptized in a cattle tank where her grandmother and her mother had been baptized. Well, I was young. I didn't know we couldn't do that. So we did. And so I just said to the church the next Sunday, if you would like to follow us out and gave directions to the tank where Jane wants to be baptized, just come on. The whole church came. And 
and we walked out in there and she came with me and right there the water about right here so it was a cattle around and we baptized her and it was a true celebration this past april i went back to that church for the first time in 40 years and you know who came up and said hi to kathleen and me she came up and the first thing kathleen was said was you're jane and she said yes we had this big embrace it was special It was a powerful moment for her because baptism for her represented what she had come to believe in her heart. So that's what it is. It means everything. So when you walk into that water, wherever the water is, when you walk into that water, when you just stand there, what you're saying is, I believe. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that He died on the cross for me. And then when you're taken under the water, your your testimony is, I believe Jesus died on the cross, and I believe he was buried in a tomb. And then when you're taken out of the water, your testimony is, I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. I believe he was buried in a tomb, and I believe he was raised again by the power of God into new life, and that is my very hope for all eternity, that I too someday will be raised for all eternity, living with God in his eternal dwelling place in that mansion he has prepared for me. That's your testimony. That's baptism. Yeah, on the one hand, there's nothing saving about the water. But brothers and sisters, on the other hand, it means everything. Because it's a testimony of who you are and of what you believe. Now, take your Bible. Turn over just a few pages more to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. I'm going to read starting at verse 26. Just follow along. This would be what we would call the first Lord's Supper. So here it reads like this. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he he, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So, the Lord's Supper. Uh, Just as baptism marked the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, this supper marked the end of his public ministry. Because what happens from here is his movement towards the cross and his death and burial and resurrection. So, this Lord's Supper with his disciples marked the end of his Outward in the community, out and about around the countryside, out and about in different cities. It marked the end of his public ministry. And so this Lord's Supper, you know, as, I've, as I think about it, books have been written about this and lots could be said about it. But here, here's what I want to communicate, I think, is the way I'm feeling about it and reading about it today. You know, in that room where Jesus was with his disciples. There were some, some, some unique dynamics in that room. 
So there were his disciples, and among them was Judas. So just in that room, was there, was there some tension? Yeah, I think maybe that possibility exists. Were the dynamics unique? I think absolutely that's the case. But when it comes time to Jesus telling Judas, acknowledging what was to come, and then transitioning to this supper with his disciples, it just feels to me like this is a moment where Jesus is saying, are you with me? Or are you not with me? Yes, that's... And, and these, these 11 disciples who were left, who had given up everything to follow after him, this was, their, this was kind of a moment of consecration. We're in. We're all in. And then Jesus explains, the body, that's my life, that I have lived these years with you, in front of you, and for you. And this body that you have seen me in, this body I, I sacrifice and I, I give up for you. Take, eat, this is my body, this is my life. And then the blood, this is my death. You know, there's a, there is a, a correlation between the Old Testament sacrifices and what happens here with Jesus and the Lord's Supper and his crucifixion. In the Old Testament, the shedding of blood was the sacrifice. And in the Old Testament, over and over and over again, bulls are sacrificed, and goats are sacrificed, and sheep are sacrificed, and birds are sacrificed, and it's hundreds, and it's thousands, and sometimes it's thousands upon thousands. You read through the Old Testament, and it is a it is, it is a blood sacrifice for the atonement of sin. And then you come here to Jesus and he says, this is my blood. I am your Savior, the Son of God, and this is my blood and this is it. This is a one time. Never has to happen again. Never will be done again. This is a one time moment. All those old sacrifices, that's done away with. And this is my blood shed for you. I die on the cross for you. My life, my death, me for you. Uh, back in uh, 2019, Kathleen and I had a chance to uh, take our first ever trip to the Holy Land. I wish I'd been able to go, on, to, to go before, and it was just out of the Opportunity finally came our way to go, and we traveled with a group with our good friend Todd Still, who's the uh, dean at Truett Seminary, and he led a wonderful group. He's doing it again this next May, and I wish we could go again, but we can't. But uh, I remember so much about that trip, but I remember observing the Lord's Supper over there. So we had, with our group, and I think there were about 40 in our group, and we just I've uh, been at the tomb, the empty tomb. And around there, it's a, there's some little shelters set up around there. And, and there were different groups 
gathered under each shelter, and our little group was under a shelter, and they, they gave us some little Lord's Supper cups made out of uh, olive wood, and we kept ours. Uh, put them in my pocket, and I, I, think that, I think it was okay. <laughs> and I got two more for my granddaughters uh, so that when they become uh, believers, they would be able to share them with them. These, these came from the Holy Land, and we're looking forward to, to that moment. But I remember we observed the Lord's Supper in that, in that kind of holy, holy place. And then we started singing. But then there were some other people down the way from a different country singing our same song in a different language. And then just kind of in unison, we sang together. It was sweet. And this is a sweet time. Because we stop individually and we, it's, 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 this is a time to remember. And we'll read about it here in a minute and from 1 Corinthians as he, was, as he was, Paul was directing the church on how to do this. And he said, give thanks and remember. And so what we stop and do, it, we just, we give thanks. What a sweet time that is to thank you God for Jesus. For you loving me that much. Giving your son to die on the cross for me. Thank you for Jesus. And I remember. I remember who he is. I remember what he did. And I remember. I remember what that means to me. And I remember that moment when I said, like these disciples in Matthew 26, I'm all in. And this is the time to reaffirm that renewal. When we observe this supper for you and for me, for all of us here who are believers in and followers of Jesus Christ, when we observe this Lord's Supper, it is a time, again, to remember and to reflect and to reestablish that commitment. I'm all in. These disciples in Matthew 26 had to say, we're with you, we're for you, we're all in. And this is a moment... It's a sweet moment for us to say, Jesus, thank you. I remember. And I'm all in. You know, the baptism in the Lord's Supper here at First Baptist Church, you may remember a couple of weeks ago, we celebrated a baptism. And it was indeed all of that. It was a great celebration. And baptisms are to be celebrated. And then we come today to observe this ordinance of the Lord's Supper. And our observance is just that. We stop and we reflect and we recommit ourselves to who he is and to what he's done. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day and for all the blessings of the day. And we thank you that uh, today we just have a moment here to stop and reflect and to uh, remember. And so we, we, we thank you. God, before we do all of that, we just pause and, and, and say, take these next few minutes, impress upon our hearts who Jesus is, what he's done, and as we evaluate our relationship with Jesus, Father, we pray that should there be anybody here who's not established a personal relationship with Jesus, that today would be that moment for them, and we could all celebrate that. Father, we just give these next couple of minutes of invitation to you. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' name. 
Amen.